Well, hello and good morning. Welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is Monday, February 28th, the last day of February, fellas. We're getting ready to go into March and uh, the madness that March brings. Um, I'm excited. <laughs> I am excited. excited. I'm very excited. And, uh, uh, at least two of us in here have teams that are... <laughs> Are in the hunt. I won't say who. Uh, <laughs> hey, Wake Forest is actually doing very good this year. So it's a uh, first time in years I've actually been excited for March. <laughs> All right. Well, enough of that talk. We're we're uh, we're uh, here at Rosa Sharon Baptist. I'm Jonathan Hendrickson, the associate pastor, and I'm joined here with uh, two other fellows from our pastoral staff, uh, Jeremiah Custer and Blake Flincham, and um, we are here to discuss uh, the Sunday sermon which is what we do on Monday Main Point. And um, we're in the middle of a sermon series uh, called uh, What's Different? And we're looking, uh, we're going uh, verse by verse through 1 John um, and uh, looking at the, the sort of changes and the differences that happen as a result of Christ's transforming work in the heart of the believer. And... Uh, this past uh, this this past week uh, or yesterday, um, the the message actually probably had the fewest number of verses from First John um, that I've that I've dealt with so far. I, most most of the time I've been dealing with this in bigger chunks, but um, we were looking at in particular following a different guide and. This section of First uh, John two picks up from First John three twenty four, and goes through uh, four six. Um, it's just those seven verses, but in those seven verses, guys, it, it I, I, John spends a good deal of time talking about the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and and the and and how um, how we can know that we are His by the Spirit He's given us, um, and so. Um, I, I didn't really want to deal with this particular lesson from John with the, the section before it on, on living out a different love or, or, or you know, that sort of practical uh, section we did on, on love. Neither do I want to really put it together with the next section, John, which I, I'm going to uh, look at this coming week, um, which is all about knowing God through love and, and how sort of love sets the precedent, right? And, and um, uh, it's slightly different than living out a different love. I think I'm going to actually call this one understanding a different way um, as we look at the end of 1 John 4 uh, this coming Sunday. But this sort of sticks in the middle of those two se- sections on its own. And so uh, I wanted to deal with it on its own. And um, yeah, uh, the, first, the first verse there, um, which ends the, the section on uh, in First John three reads the one who keeps his commands remains in him and if you go back a verse if you go back to verse twenty three he tells us what those commands are now this is his command that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he's commanded us so there's the two commands that he's given us and he says the one who keeps his commands remains in him okay we've heard that language before and he in him. Okay, and then he says this, and the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit he has given us. And I said this yesterday, 
and I, I believe it's the case. We can just talk about it a little bit here. Um, I don't know that the Holy Spirit, at least in the Baptist church, um, gets the due or gets the 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 uh, uh, attention we should we should give it. You know what I'm saying, guys? I mean, like I I feel like a lot of times we relegate the Holy Spirit to a lesser than role because we're afraid of the Holy Spirit. Oh, we see its abuses happen, and and uh, or we see abuses of the of something. Somebody says, "Well, this is this, you know, this is the this is the Holy Spirit at work," and we're like, "Well, clearly that's not the Holy Spirit at work. That's just you." Um, and yeah. so, and, or, or you know, we're, we're, we, you know, we 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 look at things like that with a skeptical eye, and so then I think it causes us to you know focus primarily on God the Father and God the Son. I don't know how much time we spend on God the Spirit. Yeah, I mean, I think if if we're all honest, I think sometimes we would kind of look at like the Trinity is almost like a hierarchy sometimes mm-hmm. in which the spirit we call the we would call the spirit the third person of the Trinity mm-hmm. which you know maybe from like an outsider looking in you would think it's like at the bottom but we don't mean it as like like a sub like a sub god you know we right. mean that as uh, one who is just as equal as the father and the son um, so I think a lot of people, you know, if we're honest, I think we kind of have like the spirit is lesser than the father and son in our minds. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think you were right. I mean, we have seen, you know, a lot of abuses and a lot of area. I mean, especially with like the faith healers movements and right, right, uh, right. stuff along the lines of that. And especially with a uh, Baptist, I know, uh, you know, I think a lot of times we don't want to be like Pentecostal yeah. in our worship. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Um, but I mean, I'll give it. To the Pentecostals, in some, in at least some degree, I appreciate their, um, at least their acknowledgement of the Spirit. Their respect for the their, Spirit. Right? Their respect yeah, for the I mean, Spirit. Yeah, yeah. I think Baptists would do well to pay attention to I, to I, the respect of that. I I I, yeah. I agree entirely. Um, now, practically, obviously, we don't fully agree on some of the practical ways that they do things, but right. I've always admired their. Uh, I've always admired their uh, their respect for it, and I think. And I think we should have that respect, but also mm-hmm. practically, practically, maybe do a little bit better than what they might. Yeah, would from uh, if if you're in my neck of the woods where I grew up in Southeast Kentucky, um, it's it's often um, and there there was a heavy Pentecostal presence and where where I grew yeah, up. Yeah, same here. And um, and often it's not even called that's they don't refer to it as Holy Spirit as much as the Holy Ghost. And so, I think. Because of that, there's this idea, Jeremiah, that like the spirit is ghostly, you know, and that ha- that that it's a thing rather than a person. And I, there's, it, it, I have to be very intentional and have to think my to to think about it before I refer to the spirit as an it instead of he. Do you know what I'm saying? Because of that. Yeah. Sorry, I had to yawn. Oh, that's second. all right. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm bored, but uh, no. yeah, I think the Holy Ghost language comes from the KJV. It's just a, right. Uh, it's just a synonym or synonymous with spirit. Um, but yeah, um, I have a grandpa who uh, hesitate to, to to call people out, but I have a grandpa who I think is not a believer, and when I had told him that I was going to be a uh, pastor 
uh, he was he got like deeply concerned. We're eating buffet pizza, and I, t- I told him, "Hey, hey, Grandpa, I think I'm going to be a, a, a pastor." And uh, he looked at me very serious and was like, "Have you heard of the Holy Ghost?" He's like, "Do you do you know what it does to people?" And I was like, yeah, yeah, Grandpa, I know exactly who the Holy Spirit is. <laughs> I believe he lives in me. And he just like, his whole demeanor changed. Wow. He's terrified. Wow. And I think he's terrified of the Spirit because of, uh, this is my, my father's father. My father is a pastor. So, right, yeah. So that tells you a little bit. But uh, he uh, he had seen some abuses in churches. So sure. some convulsing on the floor and uh, speaking in tongues. Um, and uh, just what we call as Baptists the abuses. Right. But because there's so many abuses that we've seen, mm-hmm. I think that's why we're so scared of it or hesitant to mm-hmm. kind of attribute anything to the spirit unless it's weird right we only attribute things to the spirit <clears throat> that's weird <clears throat> yeah that's good and point. uh uh I, I love the book of galatians y'all know this and one one of the things i like to say because one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control or mm-hmm. control of oneself right right that's and so point. uh not that not that I don't think that the spirit can kind of interact with humans in a uh, metaphysical or, or just unnatural way. Mm-hmm. We see that all throughout scripture. But we need to focus, I think, more on the spirit's role in, say, spiritual gifts and the fruits of the spirit. And those things that the scripture tell, like uh, the fact that one of the roles of the Spirit is to, to remind us of everything Jesus has said. That's John himself says that, I think, in John 14. Yeah. Um, so, and the Spirit helps us to to interpret Scripture. And so, really, the Spirit is the way that we actually experience God. Yes. Which means we need to be careful, in my opinion, to discern what's real from the Spirit and what's not. Yeah. And so... I, I remember going, I know I'm talking a lot, no, um, but I remember good. going to a, 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 it was called the 24-hour burn. It was a revival, mm-hmm. and it was obviously not Baptist. Um, <laughs> but they had a bunch of music right. for hours. I mean, just hours and hours of what uh, what they would call worship. Right. And uh, my friends who I went with, they, they would feel compelled by something and I think it was atmosphere and experience and what they thought they should be doing. Mm. Uh, and they admitted later, yeah, it was fake. But um, they would like speak. They would just start speaking another language, which was really just babbling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they would do like crazy things on the floor. And I, I saw one dude wasn't my friend. He pulled out a a ram's horn and just started blowing it. Um, and I, <laughs> a shofar is what it's right, called. Right, right, yeah. And I'm like, and me and my Baptist self is like, if this is the spirit, I don't want it kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, And I think you could you could actually distance people from God by those I, kind of expressions yeah, of the spirit. Yeah, yeah, And I hesitate to call it all fake. Right. But a lot of it, I believe, is... Fake. It's yeah. it's kind of stirred up in the moment. You get emotional. You don't really know how to act when the 
when the spirit is present. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and of course, if you're doing it for 24 hours straight, some weird stuff's going to happen. Right, right, absolutely. <laughs> There's I, a difference no, I, in. I hear, no, I remember my first encounter with uh, uh, going to. I, I was dating a girl who was. Uh, uh, she went to non-denom- non-denominational church, which might as well be Pentecostal church, right? Right. And uh, invited me to go to the, their camp with their, their youth camp. And that was the first time I had ever been to to a place where people were speaking in tongues and stuff. Man, it scared me to death. And I, I didn't know, and I didn't know what to do. And I think I think what it is is that. And and, and I think back what your grandpa said too. I think people hear those kinds of stories where people are losing control, and it's more like possession than it is being having the spirit of God abiding. And there's a difference with saying. When, when, when John, for instance, here says, um, you know, his, the one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him. He's not saying you become a puppet of God somehow or another, that God's spirit is possessing you to do these, these weird things. Rather, it's more like you are, um, the spirit of God is resting in you, lives in you, is woven as part of your identity now. It's, it's, it's. You know, and I like I like the point you make there, Jeremiah. That Galatians tells us that one of the fruits of the spirit is self control. How can I be self controlled if I'm possessed, right? And, and so uh, that that I like that, and I think that's I think there's some truth to that. And I think, but I do I think I think it's the when when we see these um, quote unquote manifestations of the Holy Spirit at work in some of these in some of these instances we're talking about. What we what what we see is something that looks more akin to what we hear of when we see demon possession on, on television or on movies and such, and then, that in turn makes us go, yeah, I don't want to be possessed, yeah. right? Um, I don't. It may be some specific stories, in the Bible of demon. Possession. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Some erratic behavior. Yeah, the idea of seizures. A lot of times and, they're naked, though. So hopefully. Yeah, no, but, but but a lot of those, but no, like you know, the I think about the father whose son has uh, has a spirit, an evil spirit. Yeah. Keeps trying to throw him into fire. Keeps trying yeah. to drown him. And so you you hear that, and you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't care if it's as holy or whatever. I don't want it possessing me and taking me completely over. And I think yeah. that's the fear part. Um, that, that that we associate with with the spirit and I think it's just a misunderstanding of, of the role of the Holy Spirit well yeah and I mean and, you know I think there's a I think you know there's a uh, there's a difference in like excitement to see the Lord work mm-hmm. and acting like you're going into like convulsions you know what I'm saying because um, like even me riding over here I was listening to your sermon from yesterday and I'm you know I'm getting excited at some of it you know what I'm saying but uh you know, but you know, we're not going into like convulsions and like acting right. like we're dead on the floor and like say, hope, "Come revive us," or you know, yeah, anything I hope, like that. I hope you weren't convulsing while you were driving. No, <laughs> that would no. Not be a good I'm thing. here safely. <laughs> but uh, no, I I think I fully agree. I am kind of thinking out loud here, but I wonder why the KJV translated it as ghost because um, almost you know, a ghost has a, and this is like I said, this is kind of me thinking out loud, but like ghost, like like you said. It, I feel like to refer to it as like its proper like proto, it would be like it, not a person. Mm-hmm. So I wonder. 
And I, I could be wrong on that, but I wonder why the KJV translators the, translate the, um, ghost. The, our understanding of it is what, Numa? And so Numa is wind, breath. Uh, it also means like life, the life principle, right? The, yeah. um, which the, the closest they had was breath because everything that lives breathes, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's another way of saying that which is, uh, that, you know, that, that gives you life. Um, and so when it's used um, to talk about the, the third person of the Trinity, it's always combined with the word for holy. So it, it, it's, it's, it dif- differentiates it from whenever else it's, it's being used. But I also found out, and I, it, it was in the midst of doing um, study for this particular sermon, um, there are, for instance, in, in, in one. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they're from God. The word there used as spirit, pulpit commentary literally says it's religious principles, but if you look at the uh, the Greek lexicon, the word that's translated spirits there actually is slightly different than just pneuma. It's, it, it, it means one who has a spirit. Hmm. And so you're talking, what John is saying here is, Test the people who, who are who are speaking on these things, right? Who who are, who are claiming to not be not be uh, test pe- test the the religious claims or the truth claims of other of, of other individuals, right? Yeah, that's what he's basically saying. And because you and, and recall the whole issue with John and the part of the part of the reason he's writing this letter is because they've got people who are teaching false doctrine, um, and they right. were teaching false doctrine inside of the church. And it caused a massive split inside the church. And, and the people that he's writing to were the ones that are left over. And he's like, okay, look, here's where we're going to handle this, you know, moving forward. But before we get into, and we can talk about that a little bit if you want, the idea of uh, the Spirit leading us towards truth and keeping us from error and everything. I want to go back, though. All right, we talked about what the Spirit is not. Um, Jeremiah, you said it a minute ago, and, and it's the sort of the angle that I took. The Spirit is God's presence in the believer, and it's the way in which we experience God. Mm-hmm. And I took a long time yesterday <laughs> on um, explaining this, but I wanted to I wanted to trace because I thought it was important um, to trace how God's spirit or God's presence, has always been what has given his people assurance to move forward. It's been his presence, his spirit. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you can trace that all the way, starting from the garden when, when he was present with them and, you know, and walked with them in the cool of the, uh, the evening. And, and then if you look at Abram and Joseph and Moses and Joshua, all of them are assured of, their various missions that God's telling them to do um, because God's going to be with them. Yeah. Um, and then, then, then you see, and I, I didn't mention David, um, I mentioned Solomon in passing, or any of the kings for that matter. And you and I were talking about this afterwards. You know, you're like, yeah, I know she didn't mention David and, and, and those be, as being guided by the Spirit. <clears throat> and you can even say, well, what about Saul? Saul loses the Spirit, right? Bible says that he has the Spirit of God and then the Spirit of God departs from him and, and an evil spirit sent from the Lord <laughs> um, 
actually uh, yeah. torments him. And you're like, well, you know, I didn't want to get, look, I was already deal, dealing with a whole lot of scripture. Yeah. I didn't want to get him in, into those weeds. And yeah. then that's something we can talk about some other time. But basically, my understanding with with those words about Saul, the spirit, God's spirit there, God's spirit with David, God's spirit with uh, the, any of the kings. And prophets. Right, and the prophet is is it's more like a special anointing, but it's not his spirit, his presence. Because remember, at that point, his presence is in the tabernacle and in the temple. Yeah, and is it seems to be that's where you go to meet with God. He's not, he's not in the hearts of the, of, of the people who who, who believe it, you know, who, who are believers. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, was the uh, when the ark was being carried? Because they would say that that was a sign of God's presence, right? Do yes. people say that that was you know God's spirit was on there as well? Or yeah, no, that, okay. I, I think I think I where the ark of the Lord was is where yeah. they understood the spirit of God to be because okay. yeah. that's what He had told them. I mean, like yeah, you know, yeah. I'm going to be you know in the tabernacle, and only only the priests were able to go into the presence of into into His presence because. He tells Moses on, on when they're in the desert, "Look, if I'm if these people have to stay away from me because if they don't, I'll destroy them all," and mm. and it's because they're of their sin. Right. And later, when he does descend on the mountain, and he actually invites them to come, and he invites them to do the same as Moses to come up on the mountain. They're like, they're scared. They they know that if we go up there, we're not holy. We're not. We're, we we can't go into your presence, and so. His presence is once again because of man's sin is is limited to to just certain certain areas. It's not until I'm going to argue it's not until Jesus comes that God's spirit and presence begins to be able to be with man, all men again, um, and not just the not just the priest. And of course, after Jesus' saving work of the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. The, and the coming of the Spirit, then suddenly everyone who puts their faith in Christ has access to the Spirit of God. Something that I'm going to say was not the case until Jesus' work. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. And I think in the uh, um, when the uh, after Jesus had uh, resurrected, he mm-hmm. tells the disciples, you know, here receive the Holy Spirit, and obviously that became more. Uh, widespread at Pentecost yeah. and yeah. heat. Because if, if that's not the case, then why does Jesus say it's necessary for me to go so, so the counselor can come? Yeah, if the counselor, if the counselor was already available. Yeah. I do think, uh, it's hard to say. I do think in some ways, at least some ways, that David, the, the, the kings who were anointed, mm-hmm, were indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But I, I, you're right, there's this clear anointing of God, and that's why it was so important that that like David didn't want to kill Saul. Right. Because he's like, I don't want to touch the Lord's anointed. Um, and then, of course, we've got the whole Scripture, right? Right. The, the prophets and David wrote a ton of Scripture. Um, and... Uh, so it's just whether you want to say they they that that God was dwelling in them because the problem with that, like you said, is Saul. Saul kind of creates a ton of problems for us, right? Because he loses the spirit, right? In fact, he's the only person ever recorded in any scripture 
to lose the spirit, including the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you, you might could interpret some things as saying they lost the spirit, but it doesn't explicitly say anywhere in the New Testament that someone lost the spirit. Well, even David has this idea. It's like, let not your spirit depart from me. Well, so, he prays that in Psalm 51. So he even has and this I, idea that there's a possibility he could lose it. I'm not saying Well, he, he ever, just saw, he saw Saul lose it. Right. Yeah, yeah. And he had just, of course, committed, committed some pretty heinous crimes, heinous sins. Yes. And he praised that, and and I've often wondered, like, should we pray that? But I, I think Jonathan's saying no, because you can't lose it. Right. I think that at least for David, he saw that as a possibility to lose the spirit. Let not your spirit depart from me. It's in Psalm 51. But... um. I'm trying to find. I, I, I've lost it now, guys. But um, the Bible Project is is, um, which I have a lot of respect for those guys. Yeah, they're the ones that 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 made that distinction. That um, that it was a it was a, a a that when it talks about the spirit being on David, the spirit being on Saul, that it's not not being indwelt by the Holy Spirit as we understand it. Rather, it was a, a special blessing uh, of, of, of God on that person for the role that they were play for the role that they were to play. Now um, that, that it's not his, his, his presence actually indwelling them, rather it's the presence of his anointing or his, 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 his blessing on them. Um, is the way that they interpret it, and 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 and, and you know I'm not I'm not saying they're right. You know I'm not, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, you're right. David does pray that sort of prayer, and we look at Saul and go, well, how how is it? And then, like I said, I don't understand if it was the case that even even kings could have the spirit, right? Then why is it that Jesus says why what why couldn't it be the case that God could just let His spirit go on just anybody, right? Like, why is it that Jesus has to do what he does in order for the counselor to come and be available to us? It just seems to me that God's spirit can't be with man except for in these, these priestly encounters yeah. up until the work of Christ. That, that Christ's work ushers in something radically different from what, oh, we, have the yeah, old, for sure from what we have in the Old and Testament. I, um, and to support that, that it's coming in like... Another day, I think there's a few passages in the Old Testament that says that would support what you're saying, and I agree with you. By the way, I think of like Jeremiah 31, like in the New Covenant, God mm-hmm. said, like you know, there is this covenant here, but I'm going to make a new covenant. Where, uh, and basically in verse uh, verse 33, it says, "For this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days," declares the Lord. I'll put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. So the law is not necessarily like outside of them but it's like within them and i know in there's some places in deuteronomy it says you know you don't obey now but one day you will be able to obey because you will have a heart that will obey mm-hmm. and the only way to do that is for the holy spirit to be inside you and obviously the holy spirit wasn't inside these people right you know they wasn't because or else they would have been obedient right you know or else they would have been obedient well like so, I, um I guess I see it more as uh, the priests and the prophets that were anointed, because I think there's kings that come later. The king, some kings were anointed, mm-hmm. but I think some kings come later aren't anointed by God. They rise to power just because they're the son of the previous one. 
There, mm-hmm. there are clear kings that are anointed by God, including David and Solomon, who also write scripture. Because for me, that's an important part. Because what, what uh, you're in First Peter, Second, is it First Peter or Second Peter? Second Peter. Second Peter, not, chapter yeah. one, at the end, closer to the end, straight up tells us that these men who wrote the scriptures were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now that could, that doesn't necessarily mean it was dwell indwelling spirit. Right. But you'd be hard pressed to to make an argument that all of the Psalms over years of David's life, that the spirit just kept coming. You see what I'm saying? And I think, yeah. I think that might play into some of the abuses that maybe the Pentecostals have. Because, and by my estimation, this is kind of how I think they they experience the Spirit. They don't experience the Spirit as being indwelling. They experience the Spirit as coming and going. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, well, I mean, we see that happen. We see the Spirit come and go, um, but it never leaves. I mean, it, it, it remains with them even in the wilderness, like the pillar of cloud and the yeah. you know pillar of fire. Um, it always it, it it remains with it remains with them. It remains at the tabernacle, and, and in fact, yeah. until it goes, when, until it goes, and when it goes, they they go right. Whenever whenever it lifts up, they go, and they and they would they would uh, go wherever it's sent. I'm trying to look to see if. Well, this uh, the, my my point kind of takes me back to our first verse from Sunday, which is that chapter three twenty four. Is that like I said? I think that a lot of Pentecostals believe that the Spirit comes. And does something, and then the spirit goes. And so I actually heard, and it's in that same revival, that this the that our worship brings the presence of God. Okay. Meaning that how you worship then brings God's presence or God's spirit, and right. then that spirit then causes you to do things. Right. And I and I and I remember having a conversation with the guy who actually said that. It was one of the band leaders. He said that our worship brings the presence of God. And I wanted to make it clear to him that I believed that our worship is in response to the God who is already present. Not that God comes and goes. And so like uh when you look at uh chapter 3 verse 22 uh or 24, sorry. I want to make it important that people understand that he abides in us, that he right. dwells in us. Yeah, there's this notion that you have to. You've got to conjure it up. You've got to conjure it. And in fact, and you have an emotional I, response. You know, as a worship pastor, there there are times where I struggle with this, even with some of the. Even you, with the song, song we have, sung, right? So the song, the Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Yeah. Well, my understanding is that, of course, you know, he's already here. You don't yeah. have to come and fill this place. Because you're already in the believers that are assembled together. Yeah. Now, what I would say is, we're not going to hinder what you're doing. That that that. Yeah. So 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 when I sing that song, and we assume that there's people who aren't believers. Right. When I sing that song, I'm saying, Holy Spirit, have your way in in among us. Yeah. I don't. I'm not saying Holy Spirit, come down and fall fall here in this place right yeah. now. And even that's the other song was like, when you fall, we fall on our knees. When you fall, it's like, okay, well, you don't have to really fall because you're already here. Yeah. Right. So there is, I struggle sometimes because a lot yeah. of the, a lot of the songs that are out that are praise and worship songs that are about the Holy Spirit. 
have this idea that we have to conjure the spirit up or that we have to invite the spirit into the place uh, because unless we do, he's not going to show up, right? Um, and, and, and we have to sort of bring him into this place. Yeah. And that's certainly not the, my, my understanding of how the spirit works. But I get what you're saying. I've, I've, heard, I've heard language like that. I mean, people who... Again, I, I, I don't want—I I don't want to sit here and trounce on on Pentecostals and Charismatics the yeah. entire time. But mm-hmm. it, it's necessary to talk about the distinction we have in our understanding of, of of the Holy Spirit. Those people believe that you have to actually pray for a bath, a second baptism, spiritual baptism, that the Holy Spirit doesn't automatically come into the life of the believer. Rather, the believer has to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, and only through the evidence of tongues or or, or or some sort of charismatic gift do you have evidence that you even have the Holy Spirit in you. You can be physically baptized in water and not be spiritually baptized by the Spirit, and the, so the Spirit doesn't isn't in you until you've done that. Yeah. And so it's like it's like God's Spirit won't come into your life. You're not holy enough yet, Blake, for God's Spirit to be in your life. And so, so you can see why many people would fake it. Yeah, right. I mean, because it's like literally. I remember they say you're not a believer. You don't have the spirit, which means we would say you're not a believer, right? Unless you do speaking in tongues, some sort of healing miracle, yep, or some or all of the above. Really. Right, right, exactly. I remember when a friend of mine, I, 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 my, one one of the big influences in my life growing up in, in high school. He was a senior, and I was a freshman. He was a Baptist and and uh, was you know involved in in singing in his church and stuff and and he really taught he taught me to he's the one who encouraged me to bring my Bible to school with me and really was a, was a mentor to me when, when I, and and discipled me and um, I remember when he started going he started going to a Pentecostal church and got the idea that he didn't have the Spirit and I, he he really bought wholeheartedly into this notion and I'm like. Dude, that, that doesn't sound right. And he's like, but it's true. I don't, I don't have the spirit in me because I've never, I've never spoken. To, I've never had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, I don't think you have to have that. And then we got into this, you know, this disagreement on this very issue. And I remember thinking that is such a strange idea. Um, and, you know, but my understanding of of how the spirit is is with us. But um, yeah, I mean, this is all that's to say, all that's to say that that. I think you're right, Jeremiah. It's one of the reasons why I, I, I trace the, the presence of God the way that I did is to show people that where God, where God's Spirit is, God's presence is, and that's how the believer experiences God. And so the moment you trust God, the very moment, I believe, Blake, that you put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in the heart of that believer. It's not something you've got to pray and ask Him to do. Right. I mean, I, I think, you know, being saved and spiritually baptized in the eyes of Southern Baptists mm-hmm. are synonymous. Mm-hmm. You know, they're synonymous because uh, we would say that we have been cleansed from our sin because Christ has done it. Not of anything we do, obviously. Yeah. But because uh, um, I don't think like accepting, just saying yes to it is a work. But I think, you know, that is a spiritual bad because he does come and cleanse us. You know, he does give us that... Uh, heart of flesh instead of that heart of stone yeah. that we once had. So um, I know you say that defining our terms is always important. And that's, it is. And that's a, that's something that's very, very important on like some of the distinctions. Um, 
Now, I, I, I mean, I do believe our Pentecostal brother. I mean, I do think that they're legitimate Christians. Oh, yeah. Know, I'm not, yeah, I'm yeah. not questioning and, that. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I, and I think, uh, you know, just to be clear for our hearers, we're, you know, they're, brother, they're great brothers and sisters in Christ. There's just some second-tier second tier issues we uh, we disagree with. And I also don't think they're all fake. I've said that quite a few times. Right, right, right. Some <laughs> I think are genuine. Yeah, yeah. And, but you also I get... Think there's a tremendous pressure on them to perform. Yeah, you also students. get, though, why some of those would also hold to the notion that you can lose your salvation, that the Spirit can leave you, yeah. right? Um, because of behaviors that you have in your life and stuff. And so you can... You can literally lose the spirit of God the same way that Saul did. Yeah. Um, they they believe that you can lose God's spirit, and we say, well, no, we don't think that that's the case. If you're ever truly, genuinely a believer, God's spirit remains in you for the very same for the very fact that John writes about here. The one who keeps his commands remains in him. We're not talking about, and remember, we're not talking about legalism here. When he says that, he's talking about the one who. Um, who believes in the name of his son Jesus Christ, and the one who uh, you know exhibits that by 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 the by love uh, loving one another, that person who who uh, whose life is characterized by those kinds of things, that person remain is remaining in Jesus, right? That's yeah. somebody who's in Christ, and Christ is in him, and we know that he remains in us from the Spirit he's given us. But I can understand how someone would read that Jeremiah and think that 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 it says okay well if you're not if you're not obeying his command then he you're not remaining in him yeah. and he can't remain in you and that means his spirit it, if you don't feel his spirit then he's not with you and that's that should be evidence for you that you're not obeying his commands. You could see where somebody could come up with that interpretation of that, right? Well, Every time. And growing Every up, time. I would always hear that term as being called backslidden. Yeah, that is, that, that's exactly what they call it. And, that. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, we backslide every day because we sin. Yeah. So if we if we die in you know sin, you know, with air quotes, I mean, if we can lose our salvation and we die, because we're sinners, we're probably headed for hell, if that's true. Right. But... It's not about worse. Well, if you can yeah. lose your salvation, I'll figure it. I'll figure out. Right. We yeah, assume right. it's mean, good yeah. because so, we're sinners. I, I, I want to go back to that though. If if it's if we both if you and I both agree, Jeremiah, that, that verse twenty three and twenty four of First John three there, we understand how that can be mis, misunderstood. Why should it not be misunderstood that way? Yeah, so I think it's the same way as always, uh, knowing everything that Jesus did, everything he accomplished. And I think that's where you were, you, were, you were going at and did a great job with yesterday. The reason you spent so much time tracing God's presence is because you wanted to show that something changed at Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? And so uh, I, I, we got this from McKinnon. I don't know if he ever taught you this, but um, when, when, they, when they go before the mountain, right, and they get scared. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's a quote in there that's actually quoted in the New Testament in that same text of Scripture. Um, and it says something like, uh, I, I want you guys to to be a people for my own possession, uh, a kingdom of priests, yep. right? But what we see what actually happens at the mountain is that they didn't become a kingdom of priests. They became a kingdom with priests. Right. And so they, uh, so the spirit, like you said, didn't indwell everyone. They didn't have access. The normal person, in fact, I could argue 
that for women, uh, it was even way more rare, if not non-existent, for women to be indwelt by the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. Even though I, th- I think there are some prophets that were women and a few... Uh, there's no priests that are women, right? Um, but some prophets. Um, but the book of Joel tells us straight up that when this guy comes, this guy, the Messiah, when he shows up, that your your men and your women will all prophesy. Mm-hmm. And then that's again quoted. That 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 verse in Joel is quoted in Peter's sermon at yes. Pentecost, yes. saying, "All the sons and daughters will prophesy." Mm-hmm. And so what we see is that at Jesus, something fundamentally changed. To where every person who is a believer in Jesus, it's those who are possessed, I hate to say possessed by the Spirit, but indwelt by yes. the Spirit. Yep. Um, and it's all the sons and the daughters, they can all prophesy. They are all priests. And so in Jesus, we are a people for his own possession. And we are a kingdom of priests, not a kingdom with priests. We are the kingdom of priests. Yes. And so we're all indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And so that's why I think... Um, for me, that verse 24 is so important because it, it makes it makes it clear that your assurance of salvation is not about the commands that you keep or how well you obey God or any of those things. It's all about, does the Spirit dwell in you? Mm-hmm. And so I think as, a, as the Baptist church, we need to be better at helping people understand and discerning, does the Spirit dwell in me? Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no, I Because agree. that's really where assurance, for me, assurance is 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 most sure. Yep. It, it has nothing to do with I made that decision back then because what if I made the wrong decision? What if I said the wrong words? Right. For right. me, assurance is all about is, is so, God dwelling in Okay, me. so let's let's take that thread and, and pull on that a little bit. So Understanding, and I don't, I don't disagree with anything you just said. I, I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm 100% on, on board with that. So if assurance comes from, does the Spirit dwell in me? And we as Baptists don't have this notion of speaking in tongues and miraculous mm-hmm. healings and such. Outward, outward uh, examples of the Spirit dwelling in me. Then how am I to know? that the spirit dwells in me. Like how do I how do I figure that out then? Like what what it's not like you can go do a CT scan and and get and the doctor look and go, yeah. "You know, there is something there. We're not sure what it is. We see it in, you know, a number of patients who come here, not everyone, but uh we see this thing in you um that shouldn't be there." Uh, best we can explain it, it looks like a ghost, you know. Yeah. And so right. it's not like you know there's a there's a scan you can do. It, it, and we're we're saying very clearly here that that it's not through you know some special gift that you get where you're speaking a foreign language um, or, or anything like that. So then, okay, well, where does my assurance come from? How do I know, guys, that the spirit's in me? Well, I think it's important to know. Um, know your positional truth, to know that you are justified, um, to know that you're... I think that's a place to start, knowing that if God has saved you, He saved you, and that's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also, too, to know that the Spirit's within you. I think um, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5 or 6. Five. Galatians Christian. 5. So um, you see that the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit is like what this Spirit is going to produce is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Mm-hmm. So if 
you are possessing if you claim to be a Christian, you're you know you live that out. I, it's so I think it's safe to say that the Spirit is within you because you see that the Spirit is doing work within you. And and I think another thing too is you got to know how the Spirit works. So like one of the spirits knowing the Spirit's jobs, one of them is conviction of sin. Mm-hmm. Is conviction of sin. So if you go out and sin, um, I, and I've seen it, especially in my own life. I've seen the devil twist it, be like, well, if you did something like that, you might not be a Christian. Well, if you feel bad about it, if you feel convicted about it, that's actually more evidence that you are a Christian mm-hmm. than you are not. Right. So you have to know, and really to know that, you have to know the Word, uh, but know the Spirit's jobs and seeing if that's working through you. And I think that gives good evidence. What what if I from the outside from an outside perspective push back against all that and went okay but I can look at say someone who's clearly wasn't clearly a Christian like Mahatma Gandhi and go he looked like somebody who exhibited love joy peace patience definitely self control he was kind he was good he was gentle all those things you just mentioned um, and um, as far as the feeling guilt I think everybody kind of at some point feels guilt isn't what you just described. All those things are, are I would say, are, aren't they also available to people who are not believers? I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm saying right, from, no. from the outside, from an outside question. perspective, can't we say that, okay, sure, those are things that, that maybe are evidence of the Spirit at work in someone's life, but can that be the only evidence? Because it, it seems as though that evidence would show up and could show up at least in an unbeliever's life, Jeremiah. Yeah, so I've often had this problem with like the idea of conscience because I believe I had conscience, what the world calls conscience, pre-salvation. Okay. Um, and so you, you struggle with... But I think that that conscience had more, way more to do with do I want to displease my father? Do I want to displease my mother? Mm-hmm. Do I want to stay out of jail? Do, so a lot of that stuff came from culture, from 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 nurture, mm-hmm. rather than or yeah, nurture rather than nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I think that a good test, uh, as far as conscience goes, is when you are convicted of sin. Are you convicted because you just don't want to get in trouble, or you don't want to displease someone? Or are you convicted because you understand that 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 distances your relationship with God or affects your relationship with God. And so um, that's kind of how I feel about conscience, although it's still really weird. I think that God, I think that God does give everyone a conscience because, uh, I mean, like Romans 1 tells us that your conscience basically convicts you. Yeah. Showing you that you are a sinner. Yeah, yeah, that everyone, even those who are outside of, you know. And so I think that actually does come from God right. and, and His Spirit, mm-hmm. Right. But I think it's more intense mm-hmm. when uh, when you become a believer, and I also think that it's it's not necessarily all at once when you become a believer. That over time, conviction of sin, like you'll 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 discover things that are sins you didn't know were sins, mm-hmm. and that's the spirit convicting you, of course, from the scriptures, right? Uh, because yeah, but I, I think I think the the spiritual the fruits of the spirit test actually is a pretty good one. Even though I think there are some people who, who can do that in the flesh, I think that uh, because we are, I think made in the image of God, mm-hmm. I think it's capable. But I do that test on myself. I, I think quite often 
Not that that's an exhaustive list of the fruits of the Spirit, but I think, man, in general, do I show love? And in general, even if I don't show love, do I wish I did? Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? And then I go through the list. Was I patient? And it's all about, you know, and I think I I got this from Jonathan, actually, from you, um, where we talk about, you know, do you react in the flesh or do you respond in the Spirit? Mm Mm-hmm. And to me, honestly, if there's not a war, if there's not this like flesh versus spirit war, I think that that is probably the best evidence that you're not a believer. Mm. And, uh, and just this constant battle between right. what the flesh wants to do and what the spirit wants to do. And I think that's the practical step you were talking about with the fruits of the spirit. But I want to go even further because I want to talk about the gifts of the spirit, the spiritual gifts. I think that those are so important to the life of the believer. And we just have, I mean, the amount of knowledge we have on it, because we just don't emphasize it, is so small. Yeah. Even though there's like four different like lists in Scripture of what those spiritual gifts are. Right. Um, um, but going back to our text from Sunday, uh, if you don't think that there's a test, then why does he tell us to test it? Right. You know what I'm saying? If there's not some sort of way of testing that the Spirit is in you, then why does he say to test the spirits? And and Paul says it, uh, I think in uh, Romans 12, uh, 1, to discern what is the will of God, to test what is God's will, to dis- discern what's going on. So if there's not a test, then why does he say that? Right. And Paul actually says, too, in, in, and I, I quoted two different verses on that, in both Philippians 1 and the prayer that Paul offers up to the church, you know, that my prayer is that you would be able to, to discern and know what, you know, the superior things are, yeah. right? Um, and also in, in 1 Thessalonians where he tells them, test test things and hold on to that, which is good. Yeah. So clearly there is this idea that, yeah, you're supposed to test things. So what is the test, right? And, yeah. and, 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 and that's what I'm, I guess that's what I'm getting at is what is this test? For me, I think part of the test well, for John, John here is saying, and we got to be careful because what John's saying here is test the spirits to determine it from God. And here's how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit or every person who confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, they're from God. So but he's talking yeah. about something very specific to yeah. his, his... His situation. Right. So that test isn't going to work. That, that's not like a... Well, I mean, it's universally applicable to some degree, but it's not going to tell me, okay, well, I confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. I guess I'm from God then, right? Yeah. Um, or that I have the Spirit of God in me. I think more so, though, and this is where I went back to what Jesus said the role of the counselor would be. The role of the counselor in the life of the believer is going to be to guide us to truth mm-hmm. and to remind us of all the things that he taught mm-hmm. and to testify about him and to cause us to testify about him, right? Oh, like you look like you have something you want to say. Well, no, I'm, I'm just saying I agree with you. And I think the Great Commission in Matthew 28 is good because he says to go teach them everything I've commanded you. Right. But I think Luke 24 is even more specific because he tells them that uh, these are my words I spoke to you while I was with you. Everything written about me in the law, Moses and prophets in the psalm must be fulfilled. And he says to them that what's a, what is about that Christ should suffer and die and raise on the third day according to the scriptures. And mm. then... Um, it talks about and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name beginning in Jerusalem. But it also says here, then he opened, like Jesus opened their minds 
to understand the scriptures. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Right. And so the spirit, I think the spirit plays a role in that, right? Absolutely. The spirit certainly uh, helps us to understand the word. I'm not saying that somebody who is not a believer can't open the word of God and understand it, but there's, I think there's a difference in the one who's being guided by God's spirit and reading God's word. God's word then speaks to you in, in, in a way that, that you know, you're, uh, that, that communicates truth to you and, 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 uh, and it helps in, you know, you can see the truth um, not just in, in, in the particular message here, but in its application in your life. And you want to see what God has to say about it. I think there's this desire in the heart of the believer. Um, but I, I want to go, I, I want to go to something you said earlier, Blake. I think one of the ways, I think it's a, I think if you take, if you take the fruits of the Spirit and you take this notion of conviction and you separate it from faith in God through Jesus Christ, then yes, you have people who can meet those criteria and you would say, okay, well then they must have, they have evidence of the Holy Spirit working in their lives. And what I want to say is no, because they've separated it from the one thing that, that actually does guarantee that this, that is the Spirit working in your life. And that's faith in Christ. But I think if you have faith in Jesus Christ, and you've placed your faith in Him and what He has done on your behalf, and you've you've prayed to receive Christ, or you know how you want to say that, right? You've surrendered your life to Christ. Then, in combination with that, if you see uh, conviction in your heart and you see fruits of the Spirit, then that's evidence that your faith has come to fruition, right? That's evidence then that you are his, that he remains in you. But if, but, if, but if those things are happening in your life apart from putting faith in Christ, then I would say that those things are not. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah then, I, I think what you're getting at is like the motive and the worship behind it. Yeah, well, yeah, or just what you said earlier. The first thing you 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 go to is, are you justified? You know, okay. have you have you had this process of have you had this this moment of justification? And that that to me that's 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 ground zero yeah. for for understanding whether or not I'm a Christian. Do, right? Do yeah. I do I have faith in Christ? And do I believe in His death, burial, and resurrection on my behalf? Have I have I entered into a relationship with him? And then, if I see evidence of the Spirit, then I know I am his. And he is, you know, and he is in me and I am in him. And I like what you said yesterday, that when you are saying that justification happens, then we are able to tune our hearts to yeah, yeah. worship him. Yeah, um, the, the, the radio station, right? Yeah. Right. The, the, the idea of, of being able to tune in. Because there are a lot, and we, we've, we've talked a lot about other things today, so we've got just like six minutes here before we really probably need to close this out. But yeah, I do think that there's a lot of competing claims and competing voices out there, um, and there's a lot of what, what I referred to yesterday as static. Um, and, and, you know, uh, that illustration works real well if you've ever worked with an old-fashioned radio, <laughs> if you've, yeah. you know, the older radios, but if you've not, maybe you don't understand what I'm talking about. But, I, yeah. um, you know, even my daughters after yesterday, I was like, they're like, no, I understand what that is. I've, yeah. I've played, I've played with those. Like, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, so okay, it's not completely obsolete as an illustration any longer. So, yeah, I, the 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 
no one, no one, you know, tuning in your station and tuning out the static is really important. Yeah, the last uh, maybe not not test, but uh, practical thing I think you could think about in your life, and and maybe I don't want to say it's the most important, but just remembering what the Spirit's role was sent to do, especially in the Book of Acts, mm-hmm. and that it was it was to compel those believers to tell to go and tell to go yeah. and tell others. Yeah, and so if at minimum you don't at least have a burden. To go and share, to 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 participate in the mission of God, mm-hmm. then I would say you you should probably think about whether you're a believer or not. If, yeah, if at minimum I'll, a burden. I fully agree. Not that you actually have to have shared your faith. I'm right. just saying at minimum you feel a a burden and you and you genuinely want to try whether you may not know how that you kind of fit into that or not. Yeah, and I think it's I mean it's cliche, but our you know what breaks God's heart should break our hearts, yeah, as well. And if there's at least, and what breaks God's heart, I believe, is people who are lost. That yeah, is, that's and, why He did something about it. Yeah, and I, I like what you're all saying here. It's not that it's a requirement for salvation; that would be legalism. Yeah, uh, but that it, it. So it's not necessary, but that the desire is there should be evidence, right? Because mm-hmm. what we're talking about here is evidence, mm-hmm. evidence that I, I am saved, evidence that I. I you know, have this relationship with God, and um, how about you know? J- just I know this isn't completely on on topic uh, with with this particular sermon, but there's a John. John seems John seems very uh, um, not preoccupied, but he's, his focus seems to be on this idea of having assurance, having evidence. Um, how important for for the believer is it that we have evidence or that we have assurance? I mean, why is it is it important that we have assurance? I mean, some people think that I can't know. Yeah, unfortunately, I think we do the opposite of what John's trying to teach. Mm-hmm. We look for evidence in their life, in in his life. Mm-hmm. I'm pointing outward. Right. I, I'm looking for evidence in my child's life. And we do like the fruit inspectors stuff. Right. But what I think John's trying to do is he's trying to to give you, your personal self, assurance and maybe some some tests for how you can discern, man, am I am I in Christ or am I not? Yeah. And I think it's I think far too often the church is doing the whole pointing fingers, like, oh, you you don't you don't have a burden to go share the gospel. You must not be a Christian. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it, it. I think it's a way of being honest with yourself, sure, and looking inward and saying, "Man," and I do this. I do it personally. Not not that I I I am a hundred percent positive that the Spirit dwells in me, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm still because I I understand that the the that sanctification is a process. I still do. I still do things like, "Man, did I respond in love?" Was I was I in a meeting? I got in a meeting that you know gets heated or whatever. What could I have done differently that would have been more Christ-like yeah. and to grow from this situation? But it's a it's a more of an inward focus. When we make it about other people and trying to test whether they're Christians or not, that's when I think the problems and abuses come from this. Yeah, yeah. Um, does that make sense? You know, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Personal reflection. I mean, it's. It's very important. I mean, I think it's very important. I think it's a good discipline is to reflect and see, you know, what areas am I, what areas am I doing well in? What do I need to work at? You know, because mm-hmm. I think sanctification—you have to realize in God's grace, He reveals 
your sin to you. Yeah. It might sound weird at first, but but it's true. Like if God reveals that there's sin in your life, He wants you to repent. He wants you. He doesn't want there to be like tension in that relationship. You know, He yeah. wants it to be. You know, uh, where it needs to be. Yeah, and I think know? I think having having that assurance, knowing that I'm His, knowing that I. I, uh, I have the Spirit working in me is going to give me confidence, just like it gave confidence to Abram, mm-hmm. uh, gave confidence to Moses, gave confidence to Joseph, gave confidence to all the Joshua, all these leaders, it, and, and even the Israelites themselves. It gave it gives the believer confidence to move forward with the mission of God, to move forward with the mission of God in my life. If I have, if I'm not even sure I'm His. Then I'm I'm not going to be very much compelled to go and do anything for him and for his kingdom. So I, I do think it's it's good to have that assurance. All right, well guys, that's going to do it uh, for today. Uh, we'll come back next week. Actually, uh, it may not be back next week because Blake won't be here. Um, you're 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 going to be you out of town, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, so it is spring. Break, so we may so. have to uh, hold off and and do a, a main point. Two weeks. Uh, two weeks from yeah. from today, Maybe do two that week or something. Yeah, like yeah, we may we may look over the last little bit of John together or something, just depending on where we're, where we're at. Uh, but we'll we'll we will be back. Um, we just won't probably be back next week. So uh, those of you who are regular listeners, just uh, know that. Uh, so hopefully you've enjoyed this one. Uh, we we have. And um, we hope that you have a great rest of the week. That God blesses you mightily in the week ahead. And uh, that you have that assurance that we've been talking about of, of your salvation. If you have any questions or thoughts on anything we've talked about today, feel free to write us at rosbcpastors at gmail.com. That's pastors with an S on the end. And we'll be glad to answer your questions. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us on Monday Main Point. We will see you on the next one. So long.